Welcome to Souls Harbor's weekly podcast. We believe that God has called us to lead people into a relationship with Jesus Christ, help them grow to be like Jesus, and involve them in reaching lost people. Listen now to this week's message. Hey everybody, welcome to our Bible study for tonight. Glad you guys are here. I've been watching my feed trying to see who's jumped in. We've got a few people in. Welcome. We're going to continue on with session four, week four of our Why We Need the Bible. I see that we've got Sandy out there and Haley's with us and Scott and Cheryl and Christine and Ruthie are on. So welcome, you guys. Glad to have you tonight. We're going to give it just a few more minutes and let everybody get in that wants to get in. If you're out there, let us know you're there. Give us a thumbs up or uh, say hi or something. Uh, so we know you're with us tonight, and uh, looking forward to this study. Hi, Jenny. Good to see you tonight, and uh, I don't know who all in your family is with you, but I'm sure some, so good to have you guys. Uh, it's it's going to be a fun study tonight. Hey, I heard something this morning I haven't heard in a long time. Actually, I saw something this morning I haven't seen in a long time. Uh, I saw school buses, and I saw kids standing on the corner, Although I will admit they were masked, which was a little different uh, than what we've had in past years. But it was kind of nice to see things getting back to some semblance of normal, whatever that might might mean. Um, we are tonight going to continue on. And I need to make just a little bit of an adjustment here, I think. Yep, too much. There we go. All right. Had a little bit of white coming in that shouldn't have been there. Hey, we're going to get into our Bible study tonight, and if you guys hang around to the end, hi Joe, good to have you, and Sam and Don, I see just jumped on, good to have you guys with us. Uh, hang around to the end, I need to make an announcement, uh, and I'm going to wait till the end to do it, so we've got as many people on as possible. I want to share something with you all about this coming Sunday and the whole mask thing. Uh, I've got an update on that that I, I, I want to bring to you guys. So in the meantime, let's go ahead and jump into our Bible study tonight. Uh, before we do that, we're going to pray, and then we're going to get into this. So if you'd pray with me, I would appreciate it. Lord, we love you. Thank you so much. Thank you for being a good God, a God that cares about us. And I pray tonight as we study your word together that you would help us to take it Make it a part of our lives, a part of our hearts, part of our very being. And God, let it inform, let it let it dictate, let it drive the things we do, the way we act, the way we see the world. Uh, we ask it tonight in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So we're into this series, okay? Why we need the Bible. This is our, our fourth week. Uh, and this week we're going to look at several passages. And, and I got them here on the screen. You guys can see them. Genesis. Uh, we're going to look at Genesis chapter 2 a little bit. We're going to look at Deuteronomy couple different passages there. And I don't think we're going to get into Ephesians, but if you want to read some interesting passages, Ephesians 5 also has some good stuff in it tonight. But before we do that, let's just take a minute and go back over some of the things we've looked at in the past few weeks. Why do we need the Bible? Well, the Bible is there and we need it because it is something that speaks with authority and it's not its own authority. And I think we miss this sometimes. It's God's authority. The Bible is God's word, his authority, his direction, uh, his instruction to us. So why do we need the Bible? Well, the first thing is we need it because it's God's it's God's word and it comes from his authority. Second reason is the Bible provides us a moral foundation. That was week two. Uh, the Bible is the place that we get our Ten Commandments. We get our, our first and second commandment in the New Testament. We, we, we use it. It becomes our moral foundation and that's very important. We can't live or at least society doesn't really work well for very long 
with with this subjective morality that so many people want to push on us today. Because if everybody can do what they want, Judges is one of those scriptures, one of those books that talks about it. Everybody did what was right in their own eyes. And if you want to read a messed up world, read read about a messed up world, go back and read the book of Judges. It It's pretty crazy in the Old Testament. The Bible also, this was last week, the Bible also brings blessing and it brings success. And we dove in last week a little bit into what ways the Word of God and living out the Word of God brings blessing and success into our lives. So this week we want to take another direction with this. And we want to look at this 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 piece of it. The Bible, why do we need the Bible? The Bible makes families stronger and healthier. So I want to take some time and I want to dig in just to, into these two passages, Genesis and Deuteronomy. And I, I want to look at in, in what way we can see that the Word of God makes families stronger and healthier. So let's start with this. Let's start in Genesis and let's start with the origin of the family. And, and I'm just going to say to you guys, I'm not intentionally making this provocative tonight or politically incorrect, but the truth is the way the Word of God lays out the strongest, healthiest families is very contrary to to the way our society lays out uh, the strongest or the healthiest or inappropriate type of family. So just just be aware of that tonight as we jump into this. Let's start with this concept, though. It's it's out of Genesis 2, and I've got the, the scripture on the screen here. You guys can follow along with me. Then God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness, and let them have dominion. So God created man, uh, and you could put mankind in there and, and, and be actually accurate with that. So God created man or mankind in his own image, in the image of God. He created him male and female. He created them. And here's the first thing I, I think we need to get, we need to understand tonight as Christians and as, as a people that chooses to base our lives and our worldview upon the Word of God. God made us in his own, own image. Now that has, that has implications, okay? Um, and, and those implications are this, that if he made us in his image, then he knows us. And if he knows us, and he is God who knows all things, then it makes sense. It's just, I hate to say common sense, because common sense is pretty lacking sometimes today, but it's just common sense that if God is the creator, and God made us, and even more so, he made us in his image, then he knows us better than sometimes we know ourselves. Now listen, if you've ever had a son, a daughter, if you've ever raised a teenager, I would almost guarantee you somewhere along the line you had a conversation with them and in one form or another they pushed you. They 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 tried to persuade you that hey, I know my own mind, I know my own heart, I know what I want, and you as the parent are sitting there thinking you don't have any idea what you want. You think you know what's best for you, but you're only 13 years old and maybe you don't. And I almost feel like sometimes that's the way God has to look at us. We think we know the best way. We think we know what things ought to. We we if you, again, if you've ever had a teenager, they can talk themselves into and out of just about anything at one time or another. And and frankly, we adults can do the same thing at times as well. And, and sometimes we just don't know ourselves as well as we think we do. So for us Christians, 
why do we need the Bible? What does it have to do with family? Well, the place to start with that is to realize God made us in his image and he knows us better than we know ourselves. Therefore, when God says this is the this is the way the healthiest, strongest families will look like, this is the best way to have the healthiest, strongest family possible, you know, society and culture will push back against that and say no. But I would suggest to you as people who believe in God, people who believe the word of God, believe God made us in his image, how, how, can you, how can you rationally have that conversation? How can you rationally make that argument? God knows. God knows stuff. God knows us better than we know ourselves. So I would start with that. And then I want to go to this, okay? In verse 18 of chapter 2, uh, the word of God tells us, Then the Lord God said, It's not good that the man should be alone, and I will make him a helper fit for him. I will make him a helper fit for him. And, and I've taught this many times. Uh, that word that gets translated fit maybe could just as accurately, maybe more accurately be um, put in the context of I will make him a helper who will complete him. He, he will, this, this helper will complete him, complete this man. But I want to focus in for a moment on the fact that it is not good, it is not good that the man should be alone. And then let's look at this next passage in Genesis 2, uh, 19 and 20. Now out of the ground, the Lord God had formed every beast of the field and every bird of the heaven and brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And then in verse 20, it says, but for Adam, there was not found a helper fit for him. And here's the place I, I would go with this. We, we get out of this initial creation and this initial creation of the family that, that the reality that alone, it's hard. It, it is. It's just hard. Alone is hard. And, and I would say to you, yes, there are those that God creates, God puts together in a way that they can do life alone. Paul is one of those people, I believe. Paul talks about the gift of singleness, I think is the way he puts it in the New Testament. But for the majority of humanity, the, the, the majority of us, hard is, or alone is just, it's just hard. And, and, and God kind of laid it out that way. He said it wasn't good that man be alone. And the way he took care of that was he created woman. So, so we see then in Genesis 2.21, So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man, and while he slept, took one of his ribs and closed, it up, closed up its place with flesh. And the rib that the Lord God had taken from the man, he, he made into a woman and brought her to the man. Then the man said, This at last is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, because she was taken out of man. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. And, and, and so I go to this, that, that the, the concept of the family is this, two is better than one. Now, l let me just take a minute and, and address something here, I, because I've, I've heard this from people before. Pastor Barry, you just don't like single parents. And I, I think I talked about this on a Sunday a week or so ago. That's not true. Um, I have a great deal of respect and, and admiration for people that raise children uh, as a single mom or a single dad. It, it's, it takes an incredible amount of effort and work. And I know kids raised by single parents that have turned out to be great, great, great people. So uh, that's, that's not the case at all. And that's not my point. My point is, and, and my experience says for most parents that I've known that have been single, single is hard when you're raising a family and two is better than one. And I've never, I don't know that I've ever ran across the single parent that was, would, would have said to me or said to me, you know, um, 
if I could have had another person, a spouse in this relationship that would have helped me to raise the family uh, and, and raise them as a person of, of character and a person of God, uh, I would have just said, no, I really much rather do this by myself. I mean, it's just, again, it's just common sense. If you're going to carry a challenge, a weight, a struggle, a hardship, a um, I mean, define it how you want to. Yes, raising kids, I'm not calling kids a hardship, but but if you've been a parent, you know raising a kid can be hard at times, all right? Raising a child can be hard. And, and two is better than one. It's just common sense. If you're going to pick up a burden and carry it, if you're going to move something that's difficult from point A to point B, it's always better to have it happen with two rather than one. So I don't know where we can even come to the place in our own wisdom, in our own whatever and and we see it happening more and more where where parents it's not that they end up single because a relationship goes bad or or or, or somebody is unfaithful or uh somebody dies becomes a widow or a widower uh with children still at home those are just hard hard situations in and of themselves but people actually choose and hey I can have this child and I don't need somebody else in my life well okay maybe that can happen I'm not saying that it can't but I still go back to, according to God's word, the healthiest, strongest family is one that is made up of two. Two is better than one because alone can be hard. And we, we could go deeper into that. But I think culturally, we as Christians, we as followers of Christ, have to stand upon the word of God in the center and realize that, yes, there are exceptions. Yes, there are circumstances. Yes, there are times God offers so much grace and blessing and strength to those that get into situations where they have to raise a child alone but God's plan from the beginning was, let's raise him together. The two become one flesh. The two become one. So that even becomes more true when each one of them brings something unique to the family. So again, let's go. Why do we need the Bible? Because the Bible makes families stronger and healthier. And this is another one of those places where uh, culturally, we as a culture have just moved away from the foundation of Scripture each person, mom brings something special and unique to the family. Dad brings something special and unique to the family. And remember, back when we go and we look, uh, we read that first scripture, God made woman to complete man. Uh, not to be his servant, not to be his whatever, but without her, he is not complete. And I would suggest to you, that when the two become or act as one, it becomes this. It becomes man completes woman and woman completes man. And together they make a stronger, healthier family. And we've got so many other uh, culturally created, societally created, um, created our own, own ideas, ways of developing a family nowadays. And, and we as Christians, our foundation is the word of God. It is that authority. I know it is politically incorrect to say, but I'm convinced and I, I believe if people will be honest about the statistics, honest about the information, honest about just what you observe in their own lives, a mom and a dad each bringing something unique to a marriage that is centered around God and raising children is always the strongest, the healthiest family. And that's what we get out of out of Genesis chapter 2. God made both man and woman in his own image. And I want to go on with that, with that thought for a minute. We just read that a minute ago. Uh, we struggle sometimes with this crazy notion that 
men are better than women, men are stronger than women, men are more whatever than women, or at least at least we get tagged as Christians, we get we get labeled as Christians uh, that, that you're a misogynist and you believe that. And I always will go back to this first passage, the, the second chapter of Genesis, this first part of, of the Word of God. God didn't just make man in his image. He made woman in his image as well. Woman was not made less, but was made equal. But get this, and, and, and again, I... This is one of those things I just feel like it's so hard to just from a common sense perspective argue against. Woman was not made the same, but different. Woman was not made less, but equal, but she was also not made the same, but different because the two absolutely complete each other. The woman completes the man and the man completes the woman. This is the biblical foundation. This is the foundation we find in Genesis 1 and 2. This is this this is what our Christianity, our, our, our faith is built upon. This is why the Word of God is so important. And people will push back and say, that's just not right. That's not fair. That's not just. We ought to be able to do it this way. This ought to be okay. You, you, you don't have the right to tell me this is immoral. Well, the Word of God says this is the foundation. And you can disagree. That's I mean, we've got that freedom, we've got that liberty, but we as Christians, we need to make sure that we keep the Word of God in the center and, and we choose to live our lives this way. It is man and woman unique in their gifts, acting as one that makes the strongest and the healthiest family. This is just, this, 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 is, this, this is a very foundational part of God's Word. Let's look at a second piece of this, okay? We're going to shift over to Deuteronomy tonight. Let's look at responsibilities of the family. And in particular, I want to take a few minutes and I want to look at responsibilities of the parents. Um, so let's start with verse 8 in uh, Deuteronomy chapter 11. And this is a portion of scripture called the Shema. And, and it is a prayer. It is a passage that it, it also shows up in Deuteronomy 6. Um, there's a passage in Numbers that, that uh, where it also shows up. And it is taught from a very young age within Judaism. Uh, and, and, and to the point of being memorized. This is so foundational, which then makes it foundational for us as Christians as well. Let's look at this, uh, and let's start with this, the idea of obedience. Uh, Deuteronomy 11.8, Keep the whole commandment that I command you today that you may be strong. Keeping the commandments of God brings strength to the individual. It brings strength to the family. And, and so again, I say, why do we need the Word of God? Because it makes the strongest family. It goes, he goes on and teaches us in Deuteronomy, And if you will indeed obey my commandments today to love the Lord your God, to serve him with all your heart, with all your soul, he will give the rain for your land in its season, blessings, right, prosperity, that early rain and the latter rain, so not just enough to survive, but blessings above and beyond what you can imagine that you may gather in your grain and you shall eat it and you shall be full. God will meet your requirements, your necessities, but he will go beyond that. He will bless it if you will indeed obey my commandments. So what we find is this, that obedience brings strength and obedience brings blessing, not only to the individual, but to the family as well. 11.18, Deuteronomy 11.18, You shall therefore lay up these words of mine in your heart and in your soul, and you shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets before your eyes. So, so, so see this, the, the commandments are something that is not, some, it, it's not something we're just to have, supposed to have this general um, 
I sort of know them. I can give you a couple of them. I kind of know what God's looking for. The commandments, we are to lay up these words in our heart and in our soul. It's supposed to go, it's it's beyond just being able to recite them from rot, from memory. It, it, it's, it's not like being able to spit out the ABCs. These are supposed to be internalized into the heart and into the soul. They're, they're bound as a sign on our hands and they'll be frontlets between your eyes. In other words, everywhere I look, there they are to be reminded, to, to remind me of what God expects. They're to be a part, a sign that everywhere, everything I do, they're to be a sign of what God expects, how I act, how I behave, how I live my life. Uh, these are the commandments. Uh, commandments and obedience, obedience to the commandments requires we have a knowledge of the commandments. You say, well, that's great, Pastor Barry. What does this have to do with the family? Well, let's just keep reading here. Let's just go a little deeper. This, this is where it begins to tie in. Deuteronomy 11, 1 and 2. Love the Lord your God and keep his charge, his statutes, his rules, and his commandments. And this is where I, what I find very interesting in verse 2. And consider today, since I'm God, God says, and it's really Moses, God speaking through Moses, and consider today, since I am not speaking to your children who have not known or seen it, they, they don't have the experience, consider the dis discipline of the Lord your God, his greatness, his mighty hand, and his outstretched arm. Here's what I would say, parents, God has given you experiences. And, and, and we're, again, I keep coming back to culture and society because we're just at such a crossroads, it feels like, in our, our nation right now. God has given you experience, and that experience is something your children don't have. He's given it to you for a reason. He's given it to you for a reason. You've gone through some hard stuff. It happened for a reason. You've lived some life. It happened for a reason. And we're almost to the place anymore. We, we went from helicopter parents that hover, that don't let their kids do anything, to free-range parents that let their kids go anywhere, do anything, make their own choices. Again, common sense says, you know, I can't overprotect my kids. They've got to have some life experience. They've got to have some freedom to make choices, right? But at the same time, it's foolish to pull my hands off of them and let them make painful, hurtful choices that I could steer them, guide them, direct them, help them avoid and, and then they don't have to go through the pain that I've gone through. Now, listen, there's a balance. There's no question there's a balance. And, and each parent has to figure out where that is and work that out. But let's not become those free-range parents that just takes all all hands off and says, live your life, do your thing, and, and you'll figure it out, and I'm not going to worry about it. That's not what God calls us to. He, he, he says, look, I've given you commandments, and I'm going to talk to you about the discipline of the Lord because you've had the experience. And the, the idea is then we take that experience and we teach it, train it, talk it to our kids so they don't have to go through many of those same experiences. Verse 19, he tells us that. He says, you shall teach them, your children, you shall teach these commandments to your children, talking of them when you're sitting in your house and when you're walking by the way and when you lie down and when you rise up. Hear this, mom. Hear this, dad. Hear this, Christian parent, Christian grandparents. We have a responsibility to teach our kids, our grandkids. And look how he says to do it. Talk to them. Talk to them. You, 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 you get that? Talk to them. And I think the idea is conversation. Not sit them down and give them a monologue, but talk to them. Have a conversation with them and do it when you're sitting in your house, doing when you're out doing something, walking 
having some activity. Do it when you lie down. Do it when you rise up. I've shared with our church before. My mom, one of the earliest things she did as a kid was teach me and my brothers uh, to pray. She she would do it at night when we li- when we went and lay down and went to bed. Um, she would come in and she would teach us. First of all, it was just a little children's prayer, and then it became the Lord's prayer. That was that was one of the earliest memories I have of her teaching and training. And, and I encourage you, moms, dads, grandparents, talk to your kids. You, you know, we we do it not just about directly scripture. This is what the Word of God says, although that's very important. I I, I agree with that. But how about this? How about just application of scripture? How about just application of life? You know, I I had um, I spent the the day with my grandson here just a. It's been two two weeks ago, three weeks ago, and now, and we did a number of things. One of the things we went and did that day was we went truck shopping. I I'm interested in buying another truck, updating the truck I have, been saving money for a long time, and would like to do it. Not any big hurry to do it, but I thought we're just going to go look at some trucks. He was kind of enjoying that. So we we did and I, I took him over to a dealership and we got out and we went in and, look, and got the, looked at a truck and we actually got the keys and took it for a test drive which was kind of fun and we came back and when we got out of the truck I said I said listen Gage uh, you let me do the talking in here okay and he said what why why I said I'll I'll tell you later okay just let me let me do the talking let me go in and talk to the guy. Um, so he came in with me and, and he listened to the conversation and he stayed there and he stayed quiet. He, he was very respectful in that. And when we came out afterwards, I said, I wanted you to hear that because I want you to under, I want you to learn something that when you go in to try to negotiate for a vehicle, what you don't want to do is go in and tell the person, what a beautiful vehicle. That's my favorite vehicle I've ever been a part. That's, that's the most beautiful color I've ever seen because I've actually walked into some situations where people have done that. And that's not the way to negotiate a price. And, and through that conversation, it went to some other things of talking about integrity, talking about honesty, talking about what you do say and don't say that's appropriate and inappropriate. And that became one of those moments where we were walking by the way. We were living life together for a moment. And, and I didn't pull out a scripture and say, hey, this is what scripture says. But I I did say this is the way I handle it, and here's why, and because I'm a Christian. So, so mom and dad, I, I I hope you get this. Teach them, teach your children. But it's not, you know, we made a mistake, and, and it's it's been decades and decades and decades ago now, I believe, but I, I I'm convinced of this. We made a mistake when we got to the place in our families to where mom and dad no longer had the time to talk to their kids and teach and train their kids. And they begin to shift the responsibility of that first to the school system. Let the schools do that. Let the schools teach them morality. Let the schools teach them uh, what's right and wrong. And and we and we that are Christians, even we shifted it to there. But we also shifted it. Let the youth pastor deal with it. Let the pastor, let the kids pastor handle it. Thank God for youth pastors and kids pastors and teachers that teach moral values. Okay, thank God for them. I'm not being belittling them at all. But it's the responsibility of you, mom, dad, grandma, grandpa. And and you are with them, mom and dad, especially 24 hours a day. Well, maybe not 24-7, but you're with them a lot more than the youth pastor, the kids pastor. So we've got to understand that and accept that responsibility. He says this, You shall write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. You come into my house. Ruthie's good about this. You come into my house and she's got little sayings. She's got little plaques. She's got vinyl put on the walls. And each one has a message um, some of them are funny, some of them are silly, some of them are, are biblical, 
but they're teaching it just by virtue of being there. You come into our church, into our, our back hallways there. It goes back to our fellowship hall, to our kids' church. They're bright colors, and they've got things on there like God loves you or, or like you are great or this is a great place to be. It's just, just good principles, and I believe that's what it's saying. Write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. I, I think we as Christians, we need to do that. Um, let's look at verses 19 and 21. Do that, that your days and the days of your children may be multiplied in the land that the Lord swore to you, your fathers, to give them. And I want you to see that when we do that, there are consequences, positive consequences. The days of your children may be multiplied in the land. God blesses not only us, but our kids and our kids' kids and our kids' kids when we do those things. I want to bring this to a close tonight, and I want to do it with a question. How did we get here? Now, this could be far-ranging. This could go to a lot of different places, and, and I'm not going to do that tonight. Um, but how did we get here? Meaning, how did we get to where we are in America in 2020, July of 2020? How did we get to the place where marriage is being defined in all the ways that it's defined, that in, 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 a, in a time when family is being defined in all the ways that it's being defined, when um, it's, it's almost as acceptable, maybe even more acceptable in many circles to be a single parent as it is to be a husband, wife, where marriage is not even a necessity, it's just an option. Um, how did we get to the place where immorality is the norm of the day and we call evil good and good evil how do we get here and can i just I, I touched on it a moment ago let me just go back to it could it be that it happened when we as parents begin to abdicate our responsibilities to teach our kids we begin to hand it over to the school systems we begin to hand it over to teachers we begin to hand it over to the colleges we begin to hand it over even to youth pastors and kids pastors See, I think maybe that is where it happened. If you want to go a little deeper into it socially, um, and, and I hope this doesn't offend you. I don't mean it to. I certainly, I certainly don't. But I suspect, in fact, I don't suspect. I, I know I've read enough and seen enough um, documentation and studies done on this as World War II came to an end and all of our men came back from World War II and for the first time in our culture, moms and ladies had gone out into the workforce and began to develop careers. And we became used to two um, income families. Not only that, taxes begin to increase. That became an issue. Um, social programs begin to increase, which caused more taxation. And all of a sudden, we got to a place where either a family couldn't or chose not to have one parent work and one parent stay home and teach the children. You know, say, Pastor Barry, you're just ready to put women back in the house and cooking and cleaning. And, you know, I'm really not. And, and that's not what I'm, that's not my point. I, I will tell you from just my own personal family experience with uh, me and Ruthie. Um, she's had a career. Um, most of our married life, we raised two boys with that with her working and me working. And in some some instances it was necessary, in some instances it was choice. Probably most instance, instances it was a choice because we wanted a lifestyle that we couldn't have otherwise. 
but we had to be knowing that we had to work very hard to be able to invest time and teach our kids and it can be done but it's got to be very intentional and and the interesting thing i find today is i find more and more moms and actually ruthie would have said this i think in fact i know she would she said it to me who would love to be able to stay home and raise their kids um which Again, I don't have a preference one way or the other. That's fine. That's wonderful. I, I have a great deal of respect for that. But to the question, how did we get here? I believe it began to happen when we lost focus. We lost track of our time for all of those reasons I mentioned and others. And all of a sudden, we begin to abdicate our responsibilities to teach our kids and it fell back to let's let the public school systems teach them. And again, I'm not against public schools. I'm not against teachers. But I look at many of the things that are being put forth there, especially in this day and age, and they are so contrary to the, the, the word of God. The culture has taken so many things that used to be considered immoral and now making them moral. And it seems like perhaps that is where it happened. What do we do with that reality? What do we do with that fact? Well, listen, as Christian parents, I'm not telling you, Christian mom, that you need to quit your job and give up your career and go back to being just a stay-at-home mom. If you choose to that to do that, then that that's wonderful. That's fine. That's your call. If you choose to have a career, that's wonderful. That's incredible. That's awesome as well. But however you choose to do it, um, please be very intentional about your teaching of your kids. Morality, truthfulness, based upon the Word of God. And I hope that makes sense, and I hope you understand what I'm saying tonight. How did we get here? Well, those are just a little bit and pieces and parts of how we got here. Let's do this, and we're going to pray, and uh, we're going to end this tonight. I want to make this announcement real quick. Um, see, I have set before you today life and good, life and good, death and evil. We find ourselves with a choice. We can pursue God's commandments and live them and teach them to our kids or not. He says this in verse 16, If you obey the commandments of the Lord, um, your God, that I command you today by loving the Lord your God, by walking in His ways and keeping His commandments and His statutes and His rules, and you shall live and multiply, and the Lord your God will bless you. But if your heart turns away and you will not hear, but are drawn away to worship other gods and serve them, I declare to you today that you shall surely perish. You shall not live long in the land. How did we get where we are? Well, those are some ways we got to where we are. Where do we go from here? We have a choice, and choosing evil is not going to cause it to end well. I, I do believe that to be true. Um, I call heaven and earth to witness against you today that I have set before you life and death, blessing and curse. Therefore, choose life that you and your offspring may live. And I think that's a good place we need to choose life. So here's where I would end this tonight. And I know I'm being a typical pastor. This is my second ending. This really is. Uh, is there something, someplace, someone whose life you can make a difference? Your kids? Absolutely. Your grandkids? I hope so. Think about ways you can begin to speak into them, teach into them, talk to them, live life with them. And if it's not your kids or you're already doing it with your kids and your grandkids, what about other kids? What about kids in the church, kids in the neighborhood, kids in the family? Very, very important. And I hope you will do that. Today is absolutely the day to begin. So where we're going to go next week... Uh, we're going to talk about this. Why do we need the Bible? The Bible makes society better. And there's some scriptures that you can read. Hey, let me share this with you. Um, as you guys know, I think uh, the whole 
the, the governor came out and issued an executive order um, last, I don't know, one day towards the end of last week, very much towards the end, I believe. And in it, he mandated that masks be worn uh, by all citizens of Indiana uh, outside of uh, their home, their private vehicle, um, in, anytime you're in stores, what have you. Uh, other than outdoors when you can stay six feet apart. And I, I knew that, and I talked about that Sunday. And Sunday, I ask each one of you when you come in this coming Sunday to wear a mask. Well, after that, and as you know, these things seem to be constantly changing and fluctuating uh, and moving all over the place, and it's hard sometimes to get them nailed down. Uh, after that, I finally was able to get a copy of his actual executive order, and it turns out he has put some exemptions in place where masks do not have to be worn. And uh, one of those exemptions, and I've, I've got the paperwork right here in front of me, any person attending or engaging in a religious service, as he or she must already maintain six feet of social distancing from another person, uh, not in the same household, is exempt from having to wear a mask. So what I told you uh, Sunday turned out to be um, not accurate. We are not being mandated within uh, religious services to wear a mask. However, we are strongly encouraged to wear masks. So where I've uh, settled on this and what I wanted to share with you tonight is we are not going to require you to wear a mask if you come to church on Sunday. But I will follow the governor in this that I do strongly encourage you to wear a mask. Uh, I met with the staff today and we as staff are going to go back as much as I dislike wearing a mask. It's uncomfortable. It's hard to talk. It's hard to hear all those things. We are going to go back to wearing masks. The staff is uh, from the time we enter the building until we get into our seats and we, <clears throat> we, uh, uh, we get onto the platform. So if you come, you don't have to. It, I, I leave it to your discretion. It is, it is for eight years old and older. It's your discretion whether you wear a mask or not um, in, in church service. Uh, the idea behind that is we can maintain that six-foot distance. So if you choose not to wear a mask, and I really do strongly encourage you to wear one, if you choose not to, then I would ask you to really put in that additional effort to make sure you maintain that distance, that social distancing from anybody that you might be around. Because really the mask isn't to keep some you from catching something, it's to keep you from spreading some, something. You say, well, Pastor Barry, I know whether I have it or whether I don't. Well, maybe you do and maybe you don't know because many times we have it and don't realize we have it until after the fact and we've already exposed other people. So if you choose to not wear a mask, that's fine. We're not gonna do any uh, mask shaming at Souls Harbor. You don't have to worry about that. If you choose not to wear a mask, just give us that extra effort to keep that distance. And once we get into the seats, it's it's automatic. You will be six feet apart. We've set the seating up that way. So certainly at that point, if you do wear a mask and want to take it off, that makes perfect sense as, as well. I want to share this with you, just a, a, a thought and something to keep in mind. I received a letter from our district superintendent um, who is over the state assemblies of God here in the state of Indiana. For those of you who aren't familiar with the way we're set up governmentally, um, and within that office, two uh, individuals that work in that office have contracted COVID. Uh, I found out yesterday they are doing, um, one for sure is doing well past the fever, and I'm, I think I understood the other one as, is, is doing well as, as well, but they had to shut down the office for two weeks because of that, not knowing who has it, and people are quarantining. In that same letter, he mentioned to us pastors that 
we have a number of Assembly of God churches across the state that um, have had cases of COVID begin to pop up and they are spreading. It has spread and, and they have had to uh, suspend services for one week or two weeks until they give people time to determine who has it and who doesn't. And I don't want that to happen to Souls Harbor. Now, now hear me on this, okay? This is one of those instances where you can do everything right and still end up with COVID, all right? So there's no guarantees, but all I'm saying is let's pray, absolutely. Let's trust God, absolutely. But let's also use wisdom. Let's be as diligent as we can. Let's not get lax um, because, you know, we feel like it's all over. And uh, let's continue to move forward. Let's continue to worship God to together, and let's have corporate service. I'm excited this week. We're reopening our kids' ministry, our nursery, uh, and, our, and our youth um, class. So that's exciting. We're going to go ahead and move forward with that, but let's continue the social distancing. Again, your choice whether you wear a mask or not, and um, I think I will end it there. Listen, if you have any questions or concerns, feel free to call the office. I'd be glad to talk with anybody about that. And uh, love you guys. Let's pray. And we are going to call it a night. Love, love you and appreciate you. Lord, we love you as well. And we thank you for your goodness to us. And we ask you uh, once again, Father, as I do regularly, keep each and every one of us safe, each and every one that's a part of Souls Harbor and their families. And we ask you, Lord, that you would just bless us with your presence each Sunday. Bless us with the glory of God and guide us and direct us in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hey, guys, have an awesome week. And uh, I hope to see you on Sunday. And uh, those of you that I don't see on Sunday, hopefully you'll see me because you'll be on our live feed. God bless. Have a great week. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. If you're looking for a church home or are interested in what God is doing through Souls Harbor, visit us at www.soulsharborag.com. If you have an encouraging story of what God has done in your life through these podcasts, please share it with us at sharbor@indy.rr.com.